what's going on, family? Man, listen, guys, I'm honored to be back home. This is home for me, so I hope y'all don't mind if I just get comfortable and be myself. Is that cool? Awesome, awesome. Well, again, super honored to be here with you guys. Uh, last time I was here, I had three kids. I actually got a picture of them. Uh, this was Christmas time. Uh, we took this picture right out in the lobby. It was Christmas time. Uh, quick thing about Christmas now. I remember right before we took this, uh, this picture, I went to Pastor Gay because he was like, man, we're going to have a uh, Christmas service. And I'm like, why are we having a Christmas service? Y'all got to understand where I come from. It was foreign to have Christmas services. So I was like, yo, nobody's going to show up. And a whole bunch of people showed up. And I've been going to Christmas services for the last 10 years. But this is three of our kids. I got another picture of my daughter, Diella, singing here on this stage, and that's a, uh, that leg right there, that's Todd Weirich's leg. Can we give it up for Todd Weirich? Man, that's an awesome leg. But that's my daughter here, and we have actually doubled since the last time we've been here. That is the crew. I got six kids, y'all. Six of them. I need a lot of prayer, a whole lot of prayer. Man, listen, six kids. This was actually a couple of days ago in D.C. We drove up here from Miami. That's where I'm at now at Potential Church. So we drove up here from Miami, and I heard about 100 times, are we there yet? But my oldest daughter, Diella, she's 10 years old. My next daughter, Leilani, she is nine. My son, Judah, is seven. My, this is where it gets tricky. My son, Josiah, is four. My... Other son, Lion, is two, and we have a newborn baby girl, Arabella, who's five months. So that's the crew, whole family. Uh, anyways, I'm honored to be here. Today's my birthday, y'all. I don't know if y'all know that. So 26, 26. Yeah, yeah. I know some of y'all counting like, wait a minute, you got a 10-year-old? I'm 36 years old. Uh, I look like I'm 26, though. I'm going with it. Don't tell me otherwise. Um, no, we thank you. Thank you, whoever said that. But we've been in this cool series, right? The Sermon on the Mount. And I actually had the opportunity to go and look at all of the messages the last few weeks. And we had Pastor Gilmore, Pastor DePaul. We had Elder Tim Loach last week. We had Pastor Chris. And it was amazing. To be honest, Pastor DePaul had the hardest one. He talked about lust. Like, I was like, man, that's, 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 woo. But it was amazing. You guys have some phenomenal leaders. Uh, there were so many nuggets and so many tools throughout this series. And I believe everything you guys heard today led to today. Uh, today, as a matter of fact, is perhaps the most important day of your lives. Not because I'm here. I'm, I'm not that special. Uh, but because as we look at the last part of Jesus' sermon, we're going to see how what you do with what you hear, and, and more importantly, how you hear, meaning your posture, can greatly impact your lives. So if you have your Bibles, if you could turn with me to Matthew, the seventh chapter, and if you're tuning in online, you can go ahead and grab your Bibles as well. We're going to go through this journey through the last part of Jesus' sermon on the mount. If we start at verse 24, it reads, Therefore, everyone who hears these words, everybody say hear. 
Now, I'm a holler back preacher, so I'm going to need y'all help. Is that okay? Is that okay? All right, bet. So everyone who hears, everybody say hears. Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. Verse 26, but everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Let me pray. God, we thank you for this time we have together, and we ask God that we're able to get something out of this word that we can apply to our lives, God. Allow us to leave this place understanding that knowledge isn't power, but it only becomes powerful when applied, God. And we pray that the things that you give us today, God, we can take it in every area of our lives and ultimately build your kingdom, God. So we honor you and we bless you for what you're about to deposit in this house today. In Jesus' name, I pray, amen. All right, so in Matthew 7, we see Jesus, he's finishing again his Sermon on the Mount, and he addresses the crowd and he shares something that, that if they had missed it, it can destroy their lives, as a matter of fact. He's sharing the importance of laying or having a firm foundation. With, without a secure foundation, the building, this building, would fall. That's why the foundation is always laid first. More money is actually put in the foundation than in the walls and the roof and the, and the structure of the home. More money and resources is put into the foundation than the building which stands on it. The foundation is most important. Jesus knows this. This is why he's sharing this, that, that we want you to be like a wise man and build your home on a firm foundation. The government actually knows this too. Did y'all know that? The government knows how important a firm foundation is. I, I wrote a couple things down that's interesting. If I was to take a rock and, and, and break a, will, a window in this building, the government won't condemn this building. If I was to knock some walls down in this building, the government won't condemn it. If there was damage to the roof, the government still won't condemn this building. However, if the government was to find a crack anywhere in the foundation, it would condemn it. Beautiful buildings are not secure by the beauty of the building. It's secure by its foundation. And I did a little research. I'm not the smartest Joe, but I know some people who are smart. Somebody told me you got to get around smart people, you know. So I got around some smart people and I asked them some questions about foundation. And this is what I found out. A proper foundation does more than just hold a house above the ground. Building foundations also keep out moisture. It insulates against the cold. It resists movements around the earth. And, and, and as I'm doing all this research and asking a couple of builders about foundation, there was one thing that they said that stood out to me. They said that a proper foundation should last forever. Interesting. And we have Jesus, he's here, and he's, he's relating a physical foundation for the purpose of teaching about a spiritual truth. Something drastic, 
often has to happen for us to see that our spiritual foundation has been compromised and everything collapses under the stress caused by the winds and storms of life. That's why Jesus, and I love Jesus, man. Jesus is the man, if you didn't know that. Jesus, he gives us two keys, two very important keys that will determine the condition of your foundation. Here they are, hearing and obedience. Everybody say hearing and obedience. In Matthew 7, 24, we read it earlier, it says, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on a rock. Listen, as long as you have breath in your lungs, you're going to experience some winds. And I need you to understand today that the foundation, the foundation, which is the word of God, you guys with me, the foundation is not the absence of the winds in your life. It's the presence of God in the middle of the winds in your life. See, see, the foundation, it actually gives you peace in the middle of your storm. A proper foundation actually allows you to go through fire like the three Hebrew boys and not get burnt. The, the, the proper foundation allows you to have freedom in the middle of your prison like Paul and Silas. The foundation will determine the strength of your marriage, the strength of, of your relationships, the strength of your finances, the strength of your mind, the strength of your health. A proper foundation is so important. It has to be firm and strong. And these two keys, hearing and obedience, determines the condition of that foundation. As a matter of fact, many times when Jesus spoke, he would say, those who have ears to hear, let them hear. Why? Because in order to lay or, or, or build a firm foundation, there, there has to be action. There has to be some work that actually goes into building and establishing a foundation. You can have a shovel, but, but if you don't use the shovel, there won't be a foundation. However, before you can use the shovel, there's some instructions that tell you how far to dig. To dig. I see and I hear these instructions and I act. So hearing comes before obedience. You can't obey unless you know what to obey. You know, my kids, they don't know they need to clean their room unless they hear me say, clean your room. So hearing is supreme. Hearing is important. The emphasis, however, is on hearing, I-N-G. Everybody say heard. Now everybody say hearing. Y'all ain't know y'all was going to come to church and do this much talking, did y'all? Everybody say heard. Now everybody say hearing. Hearing implies something that is current. Just because my kids heard me say, clean your room, doesn't mean they don't need to hear me say, clean your room. I, I'm going somewhere with this. It's not just what Jesus said, but also what he's saying. Let me say that again. It's not just what Jesus or what God said, but it's also what he is saying. This is important because Christians, as Christians and believers, we tend to just live on yesterday's word and neglect what he's saying now. What God, I want you guys to catch this, what God said tells us how God thinks. What God is saying tells us what God is thinking. Let me say it again. What God said tells us how God thinks. 
What God is saying tells us what God is thinking. Now, I'm trying to help you build a firm foundation today because just like my kids, unfortunately, some of our rooms tend to get dirty. Maybe it's a financial room or it's a business room or a relationship room, a mental room. There's a lot of people struggling with depression and anxiety. Maybe it's a mental room. And I don't know what rooms in your house, what things in your life needs to be adjusted or, or fixed. But just like my kids, some of our rooms are dirty because we listen to what God said yesterday, but we're not listening to what God is saying today. So what I want to do is I want to back up a few chapters, and I want to unpack this a little bit. I want to dig into this a little bit, because if we truly want to build a firm foundation, we have to understand that hearing implies taking action. It's active, something that is current. And before we can even talk about obedience, obeying, we have to ask the question, how am I hearing? You know, this is really important to me. Because when I left Central years ago, I went through the hardest season of my life. When I say the hardest season of my life, the hardest season of my life. And it was funny because everybody looking at the house thought everything was cool. But I had a lot of cracks in my foundation. I struggled financially. That was a huge crack in my foundation. I ended up losing my car. I remember one day waking up one morning I walked outside. I was like, oh my God, somebody stole my car. They repoed that joint. I lost my house. I mean, I remember lighting candles for my kids and, and watching movies because the electric was turned off. Now, there was a lot of cracks in my foundation. I started to put ministry before my family, which caused a lot of tension at home. I, I started to, to uh, uh, it was so many cracks in my foundation. Mentally, I started to break down, started struggling with depression and anxiety. And I thought, why am I here? Like, God, why did you place me here? Like, what's the point? And, there, and I realized there were so many cracks in my foundation. But the world was looking at the beauty of the home. You know, social media, you can live a totally different life on social media. People were looking at me like, man, this guy's torn. He's speaking. He's doing all these things. Just because the house is beautiful doesn't mean there isn't cracks in your foundation. And there were so many cracks in my foundation that it started to destroy my life. It started to disrupt my family. I even told my wife one time, I was like, yo, we moving to China. I just got to get away from here. Like I was so destroyed because of the cracks in my foundation. And it wasn't until this principle came to life for me that my life began to change. And my prayer for you today is for anybody in here that may be struggling with, with anything, it's something that you just need. Anybody here, my prayer is that this principle comes to life for you today so you can live a life of fulfillment. Here it is. It's not just what Jesus said but it's also what he's saying. Let's look at Scripture so we can unpack this. Matthew 4, which is a few chapters before, you know, this ending of the Sermon on the Mount. In verse 1, it talks about Jesus, how he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, that's a long time, y'all. Y'all, we ain't talking about a Daniel fast. Like, this dude fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. 
That's a long time. And then it says he was hungry. I bet that's a long time. He, he was hungry. Verse 3, it says, Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you're the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. Okay, now I don't want you guys to miss this. Verse 4. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. This verse is important because on the surface, we know that, you know, Jesus was fasting, he was hungry, and the enemy came and tried to tempt him, eat some food, all that good old stuff. But, 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 but if we look deeper, we'll discover something so important to our lives. And, and we discover that, and it's highlighted in these next couple verses. Verse 5, it says, the devil took him up into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and he said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written... He shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. So first of all, the enemy missed it as well, just like I did when I first read this scripture. But also, he tries to use scripture to get Jesus to commit suicide. But, but what's the lesson here? I already shared it. It's not just what God said, but also what he's saying. Okay. God tells Abraham, right, in Genesis 20, 22nd chapter, he tells Abraham, sacrifice your son Isaac. Abraham goes up the mountain three days. I can't, can't even imagine what he's thinking on his journey. He goes up, he's getting ready to sacrifice Isaac, and God says, never mind, don't sacrifice Isaac. If Abraham only had the preceding word of God and not the proceding word of God, Isaac would be dead. Let's look at our verse again. Verse 4. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So man should not live by bread alone. A lot of translations also translate that word bread as the word. But by every word that proceedeth, not precedes, from the mouth of God, which means we have to be current with God so that at every moment we can hear his voice and obey. There go our two principles again, hearing and obedience. And I woke up one morning and my kids were eating cookies. And I'm like, what, what y'all doing eating cookies? Eat breakfast first. And they was like, you said we can eat cookies. I'm like, I said that three days ago. And they're eating these cookies, and, and they got to understand that as their father, I, I'm trying to help them. I'm trying to help them understand, and I'm trying to protect them. And they got to realize that in every moment, what does my father want me to do? What does my father want me to say? How does my father want me to act? Romans 10, 17, a familiar passage that says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Notice it didn't say faith comes from having heard. The whole nature of faith implies a relationship with God that's current. The emphasis is on hearing in the now. Many Isaacs have been slain because we're listening to what God said and not what he's saying. Many houses have been destroyed because we're not hearing. 
Well, what are you saying, Pastor Andre? What, what am I saying? What I'm saying is your relationship with God will determine the capacity of your foundation. That's what hearing and obedience is. It's a relationship, a true relationship with God. And many people in church, unfortunately, we have a part-time relationship where Jesus, when we only or where we only spend time with him on the weekend. And we depend on the pastors and the elders uh, for our relationship when Jesus tore the veil and gave you and I access. And if we think our house is going to stand firm when we only come on weekend and spend time with Jesus, then when the winds come, just like Matthew 7 says, our houses are going to fall. Because when we spend time with Jesus one or two days a week, we are building our houses on sand. We're, we're like we're like the foolish man. When my relationship with Jesus went from part-time to full-time, my whole life began to change. My whole life began to change. I want you guys to understand that you are the house. Your life, your business, your relationship, your decisions, your the house. Jesus, the word, is the foundation. The more I spend time on the foundation, it transforms the house. It transforms my life. 2 Corinthians 3.16, it tells us, but when anyone or whenever anyone turns to the Lord, it says what? The veil is taken away. Okay, so there's two things that I, I see in this one verse. One, that we need to constantly turn to the Lord. May I ask how often are we turning to him? But two, when we turn, we gain access. That's what removing the veil represents. It, 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 taking away the veil represents, it gives you and I the ability to experience the reality of Jesus. If we look at verse 18, it says, now we with unveiled faces, meaning now that the veil has been taken away, now that you have access, we contemplate the Lord's glory, we're being what? Transformed into his image. So the more I turn, the more I have access, and the more you're in his presence, the more you will begin to look and function like Jesus. Your life begins to get transformed. You will begin to function and act and walk like Jesus. In other words, the foundation affects the house. So when the wind comes, it doesn't impact my marriage because it functions like Jesus. When the wind comes, it doesn't affect my mental state because it functions like Jesus. When the wind comes, it doesn't affect my business because it operates and functions like Jesus. It doesn't impact my peace. It doesn't impact my joy. It doesn't impact my my hope because my foundation is built on a rock and that rock is Jesus Christ. It's, it's not just, just this, this weakened experience. It's this thing we do once or twice a week. And if we can grab a hold of this, I get so many people calling me and telling me about, man, I'm, I'm struggling. COVID was hard, man. It was hard for all of us, and there were so many people struggling. But if we can, I'm not diminishing what we all went through, but what I am saying is we can interject Jesus in the middle of chaos. I'm telling you, your life will look different. 
it will look drastically different. That's all I'm saying. If we can just grab a hold of this principle that we cannot be part-time Christians, I'm telling you, your life will look different. Time with Jesus, and I said this earlier, it's not the removal of the winds. It's the addition of Jesus in the middle of the wind. Why the three Hebrew boys didn't get burnt? Because Jesus was in the fire with them. Are you inviting Jesus in your fires today? The Bible tells us, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Every time we get closer to God, a transformation of the mind takes place, which transforms the house, your life, your business, your mental, all that stuff. Your relationship will determine that. And I want to encourage you guys today. I want to share five things that, that, that has helped me and my family, quote unquote, stay current with Jesus. Now, these are simple things, y'all. Ain't nothing deep about what I'm about to share with you guys. These are simple. But it's the simple things that I think often we, we tend, tend to neglect. You know, I hear, before I get into these things, I hear a lot. I grew up in an environment where I, I grew up in church. So I heard about Jesus, just like many of you. And, and the problem was I was hearing about Jesus, but I wasn't truly experiencing Jesus. So Jesus was a concept. He was, he was a theory. He was something that I heard about. I heard he was love, but didn't experience it. I heard he was a provider, but wasn't experiencing it. So Jesus became, this book became just a theory, a concept. It wasn't alive in my life. And, and again, I realized it's because I was dependent on my, my parents' relationships. I was dependent on the pastor's relationships, and I was a weakened warrior. But I found these five things, and these are actually something that my wife, I ain't going to take credit my wife does. Well, I do it too, but she kind of... Anyway, something that my beautiful wife uh, does, and she shares with a lot of people, but it's five things that are super, super simple. I encourage you to write it down. Now, you don't got to do all five. You can do three. You can do one. Start in chunks. But five things. I'm going to run through these things real quick. Five things. Five-step process. Worship, pray, read, write, and meditate. Worship, put music on, uh, however you worship. Worship is not music. We do worship when we sing, but worship is not singing. You know I mean? There's a difference between worship and praise. The, the first mention of worship in the Bible is when Abraham was getting ready to sacrifice Isaac, and he called it worship. Uh, uh, but worship, however that looks, I tend to put music on. Uh, pray, spend time talking to God. That's important. Uh, read, open up the book. Maybe it's a verse. Maybe it's a devotion. Uh, every day, do these things every day, right? What my wife tends to tell people is, after you read, after you pray, write, I believe God is saying, and just write it out. And then meditate. Meditate. Spend some time just, just thinking about the moment you spent with the Father. Let's dig into these just a little bit before I close. Worship. You will always worship at your level of revelation meaning you will always worship at your greatest picture or understanding of who God is. So if you don't know who God is, it will limit your capacity for worship. Actually, we don't have this verse, but let me show you guys this real quick. It's in Revelations, one of my favorite books. Revelations, fourth chapter, eighth verse, talks about the four living creatures. It says, the four beasts 
Four living creatures had six wings. All right, before I keep reading, these are some weird-looking creatures, y'all. I'm about to read. Y'all, like, weird. Like, the Bible, the Bible's very interesting, if you didn't know. It said they had six. I like chicken wings, but all right. They had six wings. It says they were covered with eyes all around. <laughs> so they had six wings. and co- This is in the Bible. This is crazy. They were covered with... Y'all with me? All right, all right. They were covered. Go read it. It's in there. Six wings covered with eyes all around. Every day they kept declaring, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. They kept declaring, holy, holy, holy. You know what I I believe all those eyes represents? This is the Andre Butler interpretation. So I believe that all those eyes represent unlimited perspective of him who sits on the throne. Meaning every time they look, they saw something beautiful about Jesus. Like I can see them because it says 24-7 for thousands of years. That's a long time. Most of us don't even come to prayer services. So can you imagine 24-7 them walking around saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. Holy. I would get tired after about two hours, they did this every day for 24, 24-7. And all I can think about is them saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. And then they turn and they realize, oh my gosh, I didn't realize how loving he is. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. And they turn and they realize, oh my gosh, I didn't realize how great he is. Holy, holy. All right, let me, let me explain it like this. When I first met Jesus, I met him as my savior. But later I discovered he's my father. I first met him as my savior, but then got sick and later discovered him as my healer. I first met him as my savior and later discovered him as my comforter. I first met him as my savior and later discovered him as my provider. The more you look towards Jesus, the more he reveals himself to you. You have no option but to worship and declare holy, holy, holy is the Lord. But then there's prayer. Spending time with prayer with God. I, I've shared this years ago with you guys. I don't know if you remember, but, but do you know that the only thing the disciples ever asked Jesus to teach them was how to pray? They spent time, physical time with Jesus, and the only thing they ever asked them to teach them was how to pray. They saw him do miracles. They saw him do so many crazy things. But the only thing they asked Jesus to teach them was how to pray. Why? Like, that's how my mind thinks. Because it's like, yo, if I was with Jesus, I'm like, yo, Jesus, teach me. I need some water. Jesus, I need water. Teach me how to turn something into water. Teach me how to heal the sick. Teach me how to. They said, teach me how to pray. We all know the scripture. It's the Lord's Prayer. Jesus teaches them how to pray. This is how you are. But but why was that the only thing they asked Jesus to teach them? I believe that they figured out a system. They would see Jesus get up early in the morning, three o'clock in the morning, a lot of scholars say, and go up and pray. And then he would go into the city and do some marvelous things, raise the dead. And he would spend spend hours doing this thing called prayer that that a lot of us, and by a lot of us, I'm talking about myself, like I struggle. When I say I struggle with prayers to the point where I got timers, like alarm clocks on my phone throughout the day to remind me to pray. Like, it's like, yo, pray, stop every hour, pray, 
pray, pray. Because I know I tend to read, study. I love digging into the Word. But prayer, I'm like, now, Lord, lay me down to sleep. My wife, though, she be, listen, y'all, she be praying. Like, she pray at the most awkward moments. Like, I'll be watching the, the football game, and she be like, I believe the Lord. Like, we just need to pray. I'm like, what you mean? I'll be ready to bite my burger. Like, we need to pray. I'm like, I already said my grace. What you, what you mean? She, she's a praying woman. Thank God for my wife. But, but they would see Jesus spending all this time doing this thing called prayer in seconds out in the city, raising the dead, feeding the hungry, doing all these miraculous things. I think they figured it out. They figured out that if you spend more time with Jesus in the morning, you'll spend less time solving the problems of the world during the day. They, they figured it out. More time with Jesus, less problems. I'm trying to help you guys build a firm foundation. Prayer, so important. Spend time talking to him. Set alarm clocks like I do throughout the day. Let's not be weakened warriors. And then you got read and write, and I kind of put those two together. There's this thing called SOAP. I don't know if you guys are familiar with it. It's an acronym, scripture. So reading scripture, whether it's a devotional, a verse, start with a verse, read it every day. There's the Bible app, actually a great app. If you don't know, it's called First 15. Beautiful app. Every single thing in this process it gives you an app, worship, prayer, meditation, writing. Like, it's a beautiful app. I encourage you guys to download it. I use it a lot. But, but scripture, choose a scripture or devotional, devotional reading. Observation, the O. Uh, what did you observe about the scripture that stuck out to you, that struck you? What, what, what was something you observed about the scripture that just, wow, God, you, you know what I'm saying? Application. How can I apply uh, uh, what I observe? What is God saying to me? What is he saying to me in this moment? And in prayer, again, write out a prayer based on what, on what you've learned. And then last, meditate. You know, throughout the day, are you, are you thinking, are you dwelling on, on Jesus? Or are you thinking about work? Or are you thinking about, you know, I'm telling you guys, like, I, this stuff is really simple, but it works. If you spend time with the Father outside of this building, your life will drastically change. Your life will begin to look different. If we just take these steps and say, God, I'm, I'm no longer going to just go to church on, on Sunday or on Wednesday, but I'm going to make this an everyday thing. You know, I'm going to get up and I'm going to pray. And if you already do it, do more. Like, like, Jesus, this is simple stuff, y'all, but Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the answer to every single problem you have, every single thing you're dealing with, Jesus is the answer. And I'm getting ready to close, but I want to say this again. I, I tend to repeat myself, but I want you guys to get this. It's not the removal of the wind. It's God in the middle of the wind. The winds are coming. The fire's coming. The question is, is Jesus in there with you? Let me pray. God, we thank you and we honor you just for who you are. You're such a good God. Allow us to take you with us today, God, and not let today just be a moment, but allow us to live with you. You said that he that dwelleth in the secret place, not he that visits. We want to dwell with you, God. We want to be with you, God. We want you to become our world, God, because we understand that if we enter you into our life, our life will be transformed. 
if we can just spend some time on the foundation, it'll transform the home. We honor you and we bless you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.